Hello and welcome to Arrest All Mimics. My name is Ben Tallon. This is the Creative Innovation Podcast. Hello, welcome. Thank you for listening. Appreciate the love as ever. How are you doing? I hope you're all well. The weather this week is crackling leaves, snapping twigs and scary dark nights. Yep, for all you horror fans and comic book fans, we've got royalty coming up today. Um... I can't bring you werewolves, I can't bring you vampires, I can't bring you ghost stories of any kind, but what I can bring you is Charlie Adlard, walking dead comic book artist. Charlie's an absolute gentleman, he's a fantastic talent, he gave me time at the Lake District Comic Art Festival 2018 to sit down and hear his story, which we're going to get into very shortly. But first, I've got to say a little thank you to the sponsors who keep this podcast free for you all. Illustrationweb.com, representing a lot of different artists, illustrators and animators worldwide, right across the board, across all different disciplines. They represent fashion illustrators, lettering specialists, editorial illustrators, large-scale mural artists, um, gift makers. It's all going on. They've got such a broad array of talent and a wonderful news section on the website where you can find out scoops on the inside of the illustration industry client details, what's been going on there, the stories, the processes, the final outcomes. Uh, it's really worth a look. There's some great insights into the industry and it's worth checking out and there are a great bunch of people who've been supporting this show since day one when it got going. Came on board right at the start and have been there ever since. So go and have a look, illustrationweb.com and you'll find everything you need to get over there and they're on all the social media platforms. Heartsinternet.co.uk, a wonderful tech company supporting people with social media advice, SEO advice, hosting, domain names, all the good web stuff that you need and they're great at putting out advice, uh, little tips, columns and articles, go and take a look at all their channels, heartinternet.co.uk um, I've been working with them a while now and they're really great people very friendly, very approachable and actually really, really uh, great people and great resource of help for getting yourself up those Google rankings and representing that website the best that you possibly can uh, when we all need to have a presence on the web these days, so go and take a look at all the good work that they're doing um, and the Association of Illustrators, of course, ever-growing organisation working right across the board to strengthen the illustration industry uh, with contractual advice, pricing advice, uh, getting into the nitty-gritty side of the legal stuff, all the things that we don't really want to think about, the things we don't really want to have to do, but sadly, occasionally we have to, to operate as businesses, and they're right there in the thick of it, supporting people, especially the members. Go and take a look at the... Uh, AOI memberships now, they're, they, I really can recommend them, they're fantastic, been a member for a number of years myself, they're a great bunch of people, they're doing an increasing amount of events, illustrator meetups in various cities around the UK, they're doing overseas activities too, go and take a look, theaoi.com. That's enough of the plugs, uh, I just want to quickly say a big, big congratulations and thank you to Design Manchester and the team, uh, Malcolm, John, Fiona and Casper. They put on a wonderful conference day last Friday as I record this and, and get to Design Manchester 2019 if you didn't get a chance to go this year. Really blown away by the uh, the efforts going on there and uh, they're also involved with uh, a new design manifesto that's been announced for the city of Manchester so it's really exciting stuff as a resident here myself. Go and take a look at all the good stuff they're up to as well. Huge thank you for the music for today's show from Dirty Freud featuring Ruby Tingle jumping at shadows. Nice and creepy, I thought, for the theme. Hope you're enjoying that one. Go and check out Dirty Freud's work. He's out there. He's easy for easy man to find. Uh, wonderful electronic musician and producer and DJ and uh, show alumni, of course. Go back and listen to his episode on the archives. So, into the episode. I've been wanting to do 
a Halloween special for some time now. He's a big horror film fan myself, um, with a ridiculous imagination that runs away with itself when I've watched them. I've wanted to do something a little creepy for a while now, and I've not quite had the chance to do it. And then Charlie Adlard became available. I got in touch, I dropped him a message. I said, look, I'm a huge Walking Dead fan. I love the TV show. I read the comics. They're absolutely knockout there. I've got a huge cult following. That's what brought the TV show about in the first place. And it did start with these wonderful comic books. And he's going to talk to us about how that came about. How he first met Robert Kirkman. How that relationship works. How it came about in the first place. He's going to talk to us about the roots of his comic book artwork. Uh, talk to us about... Uh, the whole dialogue, how he gets a script, how, how do they decide on these stories and what his role is and what his working setup is. Does he get attached emotionally to the characters? What happens when one gets killed off? He's going to tell us about one character in particular that wounded him pretty bad. Uh, he's going to tell us why he's living the dream, which is refreshing in an industry where we're all very modest and a lot of us beat ourselves up when we're our own worst critics. But it's really refreshing to hear from a man that he could happily do this for the rest of his days and he would be living the dream. So we're going to get into all that stuff. Huge thank you to Charlie for uh, taking the time to talk. It really does mean a lot. And sometimes I feel that some of these guests are uh, above my station. After all, I'm an illustrator who goes off and writes books and records podcasts and tries his hands in all these other mediums. And occasionally I'll get people talking to me who I feel are kind of, you know, they're way down the tracks from me, but they are very kind in giving me their time. I would say the same for Dave Haslam. Uh, the last episode, thank you to anyone who listened and gave feedback. Uh, I want you to do the same on this episode. Let me know what you think of Charlie's work, The Walking Dead comics, The Walking Dead TV show. Jump into the discussion now, please, and hit us up at Arrest All Mimics on all the social platforms. Um, it really is an invigorating, inspiring conversation with a lovely man who sat down for way longer than he needed to give me of his time. Um, I also recommend the Lake District Comic Art Festival. I believe it was a huge success again this year, 2018. Um, expect to see that again in 2019. Keep an eye on their channels and see what they're up to, and I really do recommend the festival. It's a great little town up in the Lake District, and it's a perfect setting for a big geek fest. I'm a huge advocate of geekery of all kinds, and... Um, I think it's wonderful stuff that's going on, so I'm not going to rattle you in much longer. Um, do hit us up on the social, like I said, drop us a little review please on the iTunes if you get a chance. Get feedback on the podcast, the audience is growing all the time, so thank you, welcome to new listeners. Cheers for sticking with us if you're a regular, uh, but please do go and spread the love, drop us a review, tell somebody else about it. Uh, if you're a lecturer, tell your students about it. I really just want to grow this thing and create a whole creative community of storytelling and sharing advice and inspiration for other people because lord knows it can be tough at times so cheers for listening uh without further ado let's get into the scary stuff uh it's really not scary <laughs> it's actually pretty cool um charlie adlard artist on the walking dead comic books at the lake district comic art festival 2018 enjoy i always like to um dip into people's childhoods okay. you're a creative kids what's your background um, I come from not particularly creative um, family background. My my mum, when uh, I mean when she first married and stuff, she she worked for the Forestry Commission uh, on on the design sort of side, but it wasn't but particularly you know, not creative. It's, it's, it's not really. I mean, she could. I think she, she had a bit of a talent. My aunt oil painted yeah. um, but only as a hobbyist yeah. uh, and that's kind of about it so it's a bit of anomaly where I sort of came from yeah. I'm an only child um, 
so I don't know if a, 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 a sibling would have been creative as well. I don't know. Um, <laughs> my dad was the backinist, so uh, um, wow, okay. yeah. so uh, so yeah, complete opposite to, yeah. to to what I am. But I always had, for some reason, I always had a a, a skill for drawing. Hmm. And um, around about the age of six or seven, back in 1972, uh, my uh, my dad bought me a copy of The Mighty World of Marvel number one, which ah. was the first, I'm sure you know, the first reprint title of Marvel Comics from yeah. uh, from the States. And it was almost like scales falling from my eyes on that day. I do remember if people cite one of my earliest, you know, ask you what your earliest memory is, apart from very vague memories of beforehand of, of another house that we used to live in and everything. Um, that's probably one of my earliest memories. Yeah. My dad coming home with this comic because I remember it so vividly. It's fascinating those formative moments, isn't it? Uh, looking back and, and that yeah. feeling of magic when something comes into your life that just... I mean, we never understand it at the time, at least I don't think. No. Well, I mean, and, and also for a, you know, a kid of six or seven or whatever, or however old I was... Uh, I think, yeah, like any kid of that era, 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 I was, I was reading comic books, but you know, yeah, even stuff you could get from the newsagent. So we would be Dandy Bino type, you know, yeah. UK anthologies. Um, but there was always, I was remember, I think it was called Wham, I think, or Pow, or something, Wham or Pow. Um, and they were like Danny Bino, you know, sort of rip-off type comics. Mm. But centre spread, they'd always have two pages of, I think it was Marvel comics. I can't really remember ah, okay. whether it was Marvel or DC. I presume it was Marvel, because Marvel was at the time all seemed more canny on getting their stuff into the UK than DC were. Ah. And the other, the other parts of the comic were either black and white or just one colour you know, type strips. Whereas the Marvel comics in the middle were full colour. So uh, it was. I remember thinking then, it's like, what the hell is this? Yeah, this is so different to yeah. the usual stuff. And why. Where could I get more of it? It was just like staring into another world. Mm. Yeah, you know, an utter love. You know, you, you're used to reading, you know, reading kind of weird little stories about, yeah, you know, cartoon stories about, well, you know, just, just typical 70s cartoon yeah. strips. And suddenly there was this thing from America, yeah. which was the opposite to what, you know, I was, I was, I was used to. And then as soon as Mighty World of Marvel came out, that was it. You know, it was just Jesus Christ. Yeah. This is what I want to read. This is what I want to uh, draw. Mm. And uh, yeah, it was literally that's all I read, and that's all I drew from that moment on. So, and was was there, was there a, a, a? I mean, did you go through a similar path that a lot of us go through? In that you do this stuff for for love and for passion, and you never really think that this could be something you do. Into adulthood, I mean. I mean, I mean, I mean, I was quite a focused child. Mm. I seem to remember that. Uh, in terms of when, I, once I realised I had a skill at it, yeah. that that oh, this could be something I could do for a living. I didn't think. I never thought this is just a hobby. Mm. Um, uh, I mean, it did help because I wasn't particularly academic and I wasn't sporting. <laughs> so, you know, all the way through school, I pretty much lived in the art art department, art room, whatever, mm. whatever school you know I was at. And uh, there was 
there was nothing to distract me from from that, mm. you know, drawing or painting or whatever I was doing at the time. Yeah. So um, I remember getting, going all the way through secondary school and everything, and uh, I mean, I had some great art teachers, and none, none of them actually tried to dissuade me. You hear all these stories actually about people being dissuaded from drawing comic books. I was never dissuaded. Obviously, they had to push me in a direction to get my, at the time, obviously, O-level and then our A-level. Yeah. Um, I had to be pushed, obviously. They couldn't say, you, you, yeah, draw comics, that'll be fine. Yeah, it wasn't fine because I wouldn't have got a grade at all. But uh, apart from that, yeah, no, none of them said, this is not a viable art form. So that was great. Okay, that's so awesome. I never, I didn't come out of school thinking, God, you know, what, what, yeah. Mm. <laughs> well, that sounds very pivotal, actually, yeah, because that yeah. can be the... Uh, we're all quite fragile at that age, aren't we? We look for the guidance from others because, well, you know, we don't know. Well, if great. someone's, yeah, like you say, if someone's telling you this ain't going to work, this is, this stop, stop being so stupid. Well, stuff, yeah. yeah. You know, you, you would believe that, wouldn't you, at well, that age? that's it, yeah. So, regardless of whether you actually are physically allowed to do it from an exam, you know. But I did do, um, for A-level, you had to, you had to do a, I don't know if it's still it's still the case, but you had to do a thesis as well, like a little thesis to go with your 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 artwork. I actually did printmaking for for A level because it was it was perceived by my teachers as closer to what I to comics as painting was. There was only three disciplines you could do uh, yeah. for A level at, 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 at school. That was printmaking, uh, fine art. As it was called, yeah. and ceramics. Fine art was basically painting. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I was, I was put in the printmaking, which was a, basically more design orientated. Mm. So, um, but yeah, I had to do a thesis as well, and I do remember doing the thesis on the, um, the 1950s and the Frederick Wortham uh, Seduction of the Innocent uh, book. So, yeah, um, even then I was sort of gearing stuff towards towards comic books. Yeah. How, about, how about the influence of Alex Toff? Um, I saw in another oh, interview you yeah. um, made the, the connection there in terms of influence. Was that uh, When did you discover his work? Um, I can't recall specifically a time I, I found Toff and went, whoa, this is, this is, this is amazing, you know. Um, it's just always infused my work from an early age. Um, the thing is with Toth is his because he's not he's he's they always call him an artist artist. I think they call him an artist artist just because he's not associated with a certain a company or a character, like yeah. someone like Kirby or Steranko or any of the other classic, you know, sort of sixties, seventies. The American comic book I don't know, Will Eisner and the Spirit or something like yeah. that you know um, so yeah it was always just Alex Toth and even when I was young it was like oh, this Alex Toth and, and you couldn't sort of seek out his work in comic book you know boxes or back issues mm. because it just wasn't there and he worked for publishers like Warren and things like that where it would be bigger format and they were harder to get in comic book shops and things mm. like that or is so you eventually you find his work in you know books is yeah. more 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 than comic books you know collections and things like that um so i can't pinpoint an actual time i i've just always been aware of his work and always just loved it and it's just his style is well it's what i try and achieve 
you know, people might argue, albeit very unsuccessfully, is the fact that you know he can tell a story using one line, whereas most other comic book artists can tell the story you know, using twenty. It's like reducing yes. it down to that core uh, core technique, but also beautifully drawn at the same time. Oh, the illusion yeah. of simplicity is so powerful. Exactly. Yeah. The, you couldn't have phrased it better. <laughs> yeah, the illusion of simplicity. Thank you. No, that's it. It's something I admire about your own work too. It's um, very powerful, and I've always been drawn to that. Oh, thank you. Side oh, of thank things you. over complexity. Just yeah. a personal taste, but it does something for me personally. Yeah. Well, I'm, I've, I've always had a, I've always had quite a big design ethic as well. Mm. Uh, it might not be so obvious in comic strip stuff, but um, yeah. Uh, and, and I think that ties in with the whole Toth thing and, and, the, and just the, the beauty of the yeah, black and white, the stark. Mm. You know, people always associate my, you know, because I use a lot of black, people always say, you know, that's why I arguably have been more associated with horror. But, I mean, I love horror, don't get me wrong, but I love science fiction, I love fantasy, I love drama, I love all sorts of forms of, the, of genres. Um, and I just think that the design of black and white is why I like yeah. black. Yeah. I love I love Dead Space and I love the sort of fact that it just contrasts so nicely with mm. you know, line work and everything. That's why I like black. It's not because I think it's... it's I, yeah, I do. It's moody as well. I like that. But it's not... Yeah. I don't think it's horror. It's creepy. You know? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. But that's how I think a lot of people perceive it because you use a lot of black. Therefore, it's dark. Therefore, it's horror. <laughs> yeah, <so. laughs> yeah, it would be uh, a shame to reduce it so to that. But, mm. So, what about your first steps in, into professional comic book art? Was there a, 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 that first commission? Did you get that moment? The, the sort of, oh my god, I'm doing this. Uh, sort of, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I was one of these guys that literally would schlep around a portfolio at every single convention I could. Find back in the sort of late 80s, and um, I mean, I was lucky because at the time, uh, you yeah, know, Dark Knight Watchmen had all been out, so the world and his wife were publishing comics. You know, there were, there were multiple UK comic publishers then, by that time, it wasn't just US stuff, mm. uh, so the opportunities were a lot broader. Plus the fact, because comics were suddenly so moneyed, you know, um, yeah. uh, Marvel and DC, for instance, and other companies over, you know, Dark Horse and things like that, could afford to send three, four, five editors over to the UK comic conventions, you know, mm. so UCAC, as it was called at the time, UK Comic Art Convention, you know, in London, uh, you, you could guarantee you could sort of hold court yeah be yeah hold court with at least three or four you know editors apiece from the two big companies yeah. let alone everybody else and and it was worth hitting up every single editor because they didn't really talk to each other so if one editor rejects you you give it another go with another editor yeah, yeah. even from the same company so I didn't need to go to the states or anything like that mm. and um, yeah eventually about two, two and a half years into doing all this, I, I was at a Glasgow show and um, just showing uh, my latest work to, it was actually Alan Grant I showed it to, so I didn't even show it to an editor and he seemed to be very impressed. So I cheekily said, if I go and have a word with uh, the editor at the Judge Dredd magazine, would you write a story for me? And he went, sure. 
I'm sure he was just, you know, probably <laughs> assuming that, you know, I'd go over there or we, I probably wouldn't even go over there, you know. Mm. I might go over there and they might turn me down and he doesn't have to write the story. But, yeah, I went over there and they seemed interested and I said, well, if, if I go get a job, Alan Grant will write a story for me. And he said it over there. Brilliant. And... Um, and next, next, within probably a month or so's time, I had a script from Alan. Wow. Uh, a ten-page Judge Dredd, fully painted strip called uh, The Hand of Fate. So that was my first, my first proper comic book work. Yeah. Um, so, and, and to be honest, that was it. That was the kind of the, the domino effect and everything sort of fell into place. And I haven't looked back since. Yeah. Yeah, from that, that moment. So it was... But it was a baptism of fire because at the time, every all this was now early nineties. All uh, you know, all these artists that come out, people like you know Dave McKean, Simon Bisley, all these guys that painted comic books, and all of a sudden the the style had changed from black and white with you know flat color, you know, you know computerized color, mm-hmm. albeit basic computerized color at the time, suddenly to yeah, acrylics and painting your panels and everything. So you went from taking yeah half a day, a day to do a page, however long it took to do two or three days to paint a page. You know, so and I wasn't really a painter, so I had to sort of learn on the job as, okay. I, as I was doing all this. Yeah, because yeah. you know if you're trying to sell a self, you just go, yeah, I can do that, <laughs> you know, as, you, as you as you do. So um, yeah, I was like the editor would probably said it'd be full colour, you know, and go, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> go on, I have to learn how to paint now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a lot of the great stories involve that kind of learning curve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And oh, um, I'm sure there's many, oh, you can tell, there's many comic, I mean, I'm, I'm a real classic example. I really did learn on the job. Yeah. You know, I didn't, I've never, I've never really sketched um, or uh, since I've, well, especially since I've become a professional, partly because I've always had work, so I've you know, never really had the time. You know, every mm. day has been taken up with drawing you know, for money as yeah. opposed to you know, for fun. So, of course, the, the, the sketch aspect of it has sort of kind of fallen by the wayside, Yeah, <laughs> uh, unfortunately. So, yeah, you can literally physically see... I'm sure if somebody really followed my work closely, you can literally see the, the hopeful improvement yeah. as I've yeah, as I've gone along in the last yeah. 20, 20, well, what is it, 28 years, 26, yeah. 7, 8 years? I'm not sure now how long I've been. <laughs> so how, how long have you been on The Walking Dead and how did that opportunity first come about? Well, Walking Dead now, this year, does celebrate its 15th anniversary and uh, I am... I'm here, actually, not unintentionally, but it's it's actually Walking Dead Day tomorrow. Oh, is that right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So at least I'm I'm at a comic festival. Yeah. Uh, and to be honest, there's nowhere else I'd rather be, you know, than, than in Kendall rather than you know some, somewhere else doing a Walking Dead Day. So that's yeah. great. But um, so yeah, 15 years. Uh, Congrats! It's quite a milestone. <laughs> I can't believe it when someone says that it's 15 years I've been drawing the same book I mean it is it is it, it is an achievement especially in today's sort of comics industry where people don't really stay on a book for 
you know, two years is regarded as a decent run on on a on an American book. So I mean, yeah. Robert been doing it for fifteen. Wow, yeah. So, uh, but uh, yeah, the start of it was fairly unremarkable. Um, I'd met Robert a few times beforehand at uh, various American conventions, um, but really, yeah, introduced by a mutual friend of ours and. Um, Never really thought much about it because at the time Robert was just, uh, well, I say just, uh, he was he was an indie publisher, did stuff for Image, you know, just a fairly you know, low level, says <laughs> awful low level kind of writer. And um, I suddenly got an email out of the blue just saying, Are you interested in working on this zombie comic that I've done? The, the original artist, Tony Moore. Um, He's done six issues, so uh, there is that six issues I have never, I can't claim to own. Yeah, of the whole, the whole thing. There's always that first six issues. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't do. Yeah, um, but um, so it's kind of weird. We celebrate the 15th anniversary. Yeah, literally this weekend. Yeah, my proper 15th anniversary will be celebrated six months down the line. Yeah, so. Uh, uh, Mm. it's numbers now it's almost like numbers but um, mm. uh, yeah, and he just said are you interested in working on The Walking Dead and I was like yeah sure because <laughs> yeah. I just happened to be in between jobs yeah literally okay so uh, yeah yeah. I mean not to say I was just uh, there was more to it than that obviously I read the scripts and, and I did like the script and he sent me the first six issues which I really enjoyed but I never saw it obviously at the time was a thing that's was going to particularly last. I, I genuinely thought I'd do six issues and then go on to the next thing. Mm. And how do you establish the style we see in there now by this point? The black and white is the style that we're known for in The Walking Dead at yeah. least. So had I... Had you already established that illustrative style um, when Robert met you? I mean, you I, mean I, I didn't draw any differently because I always used to draw regardless of whether it was coloured or not. I just drew it to a level that I was happy with. Yeah. Uh, and you could still have a lot of black in it, yeah. And it was, yeah, you sort of almost, I always used to sort of like think, give it over to the colour as, as a challenge. There you go, figure that one out. Yeah. Um, but um, so going to a proper black and white comic wasn't really much of a shock for me. It was, it was, it was almost a, you know, a, a relief. You know, yeah. no, one, no one's going to ruin. <laughs> ruined the artwork by covering all the time. No, no. Yeah. Was there a time that you get a sense that this could really become something quite special? No, there was never. There was never a moment. Um, it was just this, just total gradual, you know, curve going upwards. Yeah, because we did notice right from the beginning that the comic was bucking all trends because, you know, at the beginning. Um, You'd, you'd do an issue one and it would sell however many it would sell whether yeah. and then you were guaranteed that the sales would drop down for you know, issue two issue three if you were lucky by about issue four or five sales might plateau and might start increasing and depending on but it, it was more based your, your, the industry was, was definitely in a place where the proper sales of your book would be sort of dictated by about issue three or four once fans had settled into it and everything. Yeah. Whereas with the 
Walking Dead every single right from the beginning. So it's obviously nothing, not totally to do with me coming on board, but right from the beginning, every issue, you know, Walking Dead number one comes out, sells a few thousand or whatever. Number two comes out, also sells a few thousand plus a few hundred more, you know, and and just yeah rises exponentially after that and then by the time I came on board Robert one of Robert's persuasions to me to do it was the fact that he could guarantee because obviously he wanted me to come on as a as a partner as opposed to work for hire right okay. so that was one of the carrots he was dangling I see but he could also say just to persuade me a bit more rather than say taking because obviously as an artist you take more of a risk a financial risk uh, in doing a comic like that, just, just by the nature it takes longer to do. Mm-hmm. A writer can, you know, generally speaking, do a comic, a 22 page comic, in about a week. Yeah. Yeah. And as an artist, it might take all, it'll probably take all month. So you yeah. do obviously run, you, you can't do any other work in between. Mm-hmm. A writer could take, you know, do a creator owned non paid gig. But also work for Mark, yeah, especially in the beginning of your career. But also work for you know, one of the majors and take the, the work for higher pay yes. rates, so they can at least make a living as they're working on their magnum opus or whatever. Yeah. Whereas an artist, it's tricky to do that. You can't do that. So Robert guaranteed. He said, "Look, it's making this much money. Issue six is making this money. There's no reason." the book will go down when you join he said hopefully it'll go up even further because you've got I didn't have much of a name within the, within the industry but he said you've got a bigger you've got a bigger sort of profile than Tony the previous artist so yeah. it should boost it even if it's by a couple of hundred mm-hmm. and he said I, we, I've worked it out we can make X amount of this off the, the sales as they are you can make this amount off it which was the equivalent of a, a low page rate so at the time it's like okay plus the, the coming in as a 50-50 okay. partner yeah. it, it, it was an attractive offer enough to make me yes. you know, consider it beyond just well I'm in between jobs it's something to well, do there's a vision by the sounds of it which must have been quite exciting yeah, I mean, I mean, he did, he did sell it, obviously, to me as, as this ongoing. And I, I'd already moaned to a lot of people that I hadn't ever got the opportunity, apart from once when I was working on The X-Files, to work on a long-form comic book. And I, I always used to say to people, I'm the perfect artist for it because I'm so fast. Right. And it's not, it's not hard for me to do a comic every month. Yeah. I'd be the perfect guy to do your ongoing series, you know, Marvel and DC, please, please, you know. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and it was, it was up to, it ended up with Robert and Image offering me the opportunity yeah. to do the sort of, the, the big, the big story. And, yeah, what he told me about it, and he said it's the, it's, you, it's he said, The Walking Dead is not a, a it's not the classic high concept Hollywood pitch. It mm. hasn't got that. Yeah. But what it has got is, is like, okay, we've got this scenario which is not an original scenario in itself. Mm. But what we've got is the ability to tell the whole story, yes. which no one else has done. You know, if if it's successful, we can tell the whole character's arc and everything, rather than just like most zombie movies and novels or whatever. 
you're dipping into the world and then coming straight back out. You're dipping into the apocalypse mm-hmm. and telling a, a small story within the apocalypse. Yes. This is yeah. proper, you know, right from yeah. the beginning to the end, the beginning of this character, right the way through to the yeah. the bitter end. Yeah. yeah. I do. Um, so what's the, what? I want, just I mean, not to go too deep on where your time, but. The relationship with Robert, how does that work? Is it you get the script and then you'll have a conversation? And, and, and how does that How does Yeah, that I mean, it's changed, it's evolved over the years, you know, 15 years of working together. Uh, when we first started, his scripts were a lot more complex. Um, we talked a lot more. Uh, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but, you know, just, just because you're not used to working together, yeah. we talked a lot more. We had more physical conversations in terms of whether it was on the phone or at the, right at the beginning it was on the phone and then obviously technology evolved and we all bought computers and things um, it was over Skype things like that and at one point we, we'd made a promise to each other to you know, at least talk at least once every couple of weeks to make sure everything's you know uh, going along smoothly and everything so we talk a lot then and just over the course of the years the scripts have got simpler which is fine because we're used to working together we know how each other sort of professionally tick uh, and unfortunately the conversations have got less which is only because of the success of the the, the product, you know, the the, oh, yeah. the more successful it gets, especially for Robert because he's so involved with other parts of the 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 universe. Well, yeah, you know, um, it takes him out of stuff, and I'm really busy. I'm doing other projects as well, so okay. The the actual opportunities to talk about what we're doing, the future, sort of has to be now kind of grasping little email snippets yeah. here and there <laughs> yeah. you know, we, yeah. we might literally write sentence one sentence each to each other mm-hmm. for weeks on end you know we're in constant communication it's very rare that one of us won't talk to each other over email at some point in, in terms of even if it's just one line it's, yeah. yeah or even if it's just me saying send more pages, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, and then then perhaps once every two or three months there'll be a longer email sort of talk yeah. about <laughs> stuff. Yeah. So how do you feel about the TV show? Are you, was that was that exciting? Is it, is it a separate entity to um, to the journey of the comic? I see it as a separate entity, yeah. to be honest. Um, but that's a good thing because I think if I saw it as this sort of thing that was so close to us I'd probably get more I'd probably get quite angry with the fact that it would, it's telling a slightly different story <laughs> yeah. uh, but I embrace the fact because I see it's a separate entity I embrace because embrace, it is it's a different medium for stars oh, yeah. so it can't tell the same story they're parts of of The Walking Dead that obviously cannot be would not work as a show in the show and mm-hmm. vice versa it's the show yeah. that you could not work as a comic Mm-hmm. So, I I really don't care how much it sort of branches out. What I would care about if it if it suddenly dis, if it suddenly went distinctly away from the main yeah. comic plot thrust. Because what's so good about the show is it does stick to what we do. Yeah, we control that show. In, yeah. in the end, it's the show looks to us for what's going to happen next Fantastic. season and everything. Yeah. You know, so. 
That's very gratifying, as you yeah. can imagine. And what they do in between, you know, the new characters they introduce for the TV show is, is kind of, to me, is is, is irrelevant. Uh, yeah. You know, to me, the world of The Walking Dead is the comic, mm. not the TV show. Yeah. Uh, that's my world. Have you had the chance to meet the cast? I've been on set a couple of times earlier, yeah. earlier on. It's just, again, it's just time has been... Yeah, I was on for the pilot. Had to, had to go there for the pilot. I, 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 a few years previous to that, we, myself and some friends who, who co-created it, we sold a property called Nobody to I can't even remember what what TV company it was now, and they shot a pilot in Vancouver to it, and I. The, the two writers said, oh, we're going out to, to Vancouver. So it was near Christmas, I remember that, saying, you, do you want to come as well? And I remember thinking, and I said, and I always regret this, I said, you know, I think I'll wait until the series, because it's too near Christmas, it's a long way to go. Yeah. You know, and of course, Pilot got made, it got, you know, uh, shown to its test audiences, didn't test well, that was it, gone, no more. And I was, at the time, I thought, you know, is this, is this, that could be my only time I could have had that opportunity to go onto a TV set and go, oh, this is my property, you know. So as soon as The Walking Dead started, as soon as Robert said, should we, you know, do you want to come on to the show? I was like, yes, yes, I'm not going to miss it again. So we went on, I went on for the pilot, I was there for about, I think, four days or something like that, on and off. Uh, then I came back for season three because Robert said he kept saying you've got to see the prison you've got to see Woodbury you know because of course yeah, yeah. well the, the the difference was I'm glad I came back because of course for the pilot it wasn't my stuff even though Robert was saying he was like saying just say you're the artist of The Walking Dead all of it because it'll just confuse them the yeah. TV people if you're going around going it wasn't like a big secret but he was saying if you're going around going Actually, this isn't my stuff. I didn't draw the first six issues. Blah 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 blah. You know, just confuse yeah. it. Just just say you've drawn it all. You yeah, know, absolutely. So. Yeah. But it just felt kind of surreal because I was looking at stuff. Yeah, even you know, meeting Andrew Lincoln and people like that. And I, yeah, I'd already drawn Rick for oh, seven or eight. Yeah, it's six years or something like that. Mm. It felt like a meeting my creation. Yet the storyline is obviously, you know, based on the first, yeah, the whole first season is based on the first six issues. So yeah, I didn't really properly relate to it until they broke out of season one. Yeah. So it was great to go back to season two and finally see things that were based on my drawings. And I'm not just talking about the characters, like the prison was certain aspects of the prison were based on what I drew. The tables were based on what I always find this really funny because I was very excited that they based the tables in the prison on the tables that I'd drawn in the comic book. Well, as an artist, you, you must have developed these attachments to those smaller details. I know, but like, the, the, the funny thing is, I didn't... Yeah, you're right, develop an attachment to it, but the irony was that it was... I didn't design those tables. I just looked up on Google Image Search, <laughs> yeah. prison tables, you know, just to, yeah. to get an idea of what prison tables... So, 
it was they were copying my art, which was based on obviously something real in the first place. Yeah. So you know, why didn't they just go, yeah, jump the middleman, and or why didn't they just get any old table in? You know, but it, so it, it was flattering. Made them in the end, a hundred times cooler than what they were in real life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, exactly. So I was, I was more jazzed about it, apart from meeting the car, even more so than meeting the cast. I was like, yeah, my tables have taken my designs, <laughs> but the tables have done my tables. That's brilliant. I was wondering, do you, do you get attached to you know particularly characters who hang around for longer? Let's like, say you get maybe it doesn't even work this way, but let's say you get a script from Robert and you find out there's a, a death. Does it break your heart? <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, yeah, of course it does. I mean, it doesn't break my heart. I don't, I, yeah, it's only bloody drawings at the end of the day. But, um, you, know, you know, you've drawn a character for a long time, and they're obviously characters I've preferred to other characters. I mean, he's just natural, that is. Of and, um, I mean, one, one uh, the one I always cite, and it wasn't so much sad, it was just a big shock was the death of Abraham because he died he never Robert always tells me it's but yeah a major character we're going to kill off blah 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 but you know and so uh, but he didn't tell me about Abraham and he said he said himself and because it occurs on like page two or three of of a random issue it's not even like issue 50 or yeah, yeah. a significant issue so because it's just so out of the blue and so so just yeah haphazard uh, that that I certainly didn't expect and it was like yeah I remember reading the strip sort of double take and going arrows through the eye okay <laughs> not going to survive this you know and um, and Robert said to me afterwards he said I didn't even think I was going to kill him it just seemed suddenly right so I apologise, but it just seems right. it just seems yeah. suddenly right at that time. But yeah, I mean, yeah. it was it was brutal trying to draw. Yeah, basically forty eight pages of Andrea dying, for uh, instance. Yeah, you know, because she was one of my favourite characters. Yeah, funny, funny enough, a character that didn't work for the TV show worked so well in the comic book. Mm. You know, it's kind of interesting how. Uh, well, there's many, many reasons why. Andrea in the show didn't work so well and, and why but there again why Carol in the show works so well she's still in it she's wonderful whereas, yeah. whereas we killed her off fairly fairly sharply yeah. you know yeah. less than well it was an issue in the 40s wasn't it you know, yeah. since a lot a long time ago <laughs> but yeah Andrea survived up until not that long ago yeah. but yeah that, that was hard work it was hard work to see her go. Yeah, and um, what I found really lovely is um, I watched a previous interview when I was kind of researching your work, and um, you literally said, "I'm living the dream." There's, there's a lot of people in our world that beat themselves the up, dream. that have yeah. minds that procrastinate, think, "Oh God, you know, I'm, I'm imposter syndrome," I guess. So it was really refreshing yeah. to me to see someone say that and, and the smile. You, <laughs> are you still feeling so good about this? I, I hope you are. <laughs> well, I'd, it'd be it'd be just awful to say it's like hard work. <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't it well yeah I'm, I'm drawing every day I'm doing exactly what I want you know it's like how is that my commute to work is through the utility room how is that uh, how is that a bad thing you know how many people spend an hour or more going to work in the morning you know and just yeah. getting frustrated with the traffic or whatever or even yeah. they're walking to work through all sorts of weather you know mm-hmm. um, whereas you know we, we get up and 
get the kids to school while I go to work. Yeah, you know, literally, the, the, the getting the kids to school is literally taking to a bus which goes to their school, which is like a couple of minutes' drive. So even that's not a major effort. Uh, and, you know, get home, and I'm just at home working, yeah. drawing. I mean, yeah. this is what I wanted to do when I was six or seven. Yeah. I'm just getting paid for it I love instead. It, yeah. You know, so it's even better. And, you know, the odds... I do say to myself, the odd time I do get frustrated with whatever, or I'm just not enjoying, enjoying inverted commas, a sequence that Robert might have written. You know, albeit it's all part of the story, so a sequence that has to be there. And uh, I say, well, what else would I rather be doing? Yeah. You know. Yeah. This is still doing exactly what I want to do. Yeah. In oh, my God. life. I don't think there's a job out there that doesn't have its slight. Oh, yeah, when you, especially no. when you're passionate about it some days you will you want to get it right so bad oh. that maybe you'll feel a little frustrated but show me a job that doesn't have that you know? no and I think um, uh, yeah every day it's, it's I mean every day it's, a lot of people say well of course tedious doing the same thing every day it's like no of course it's not it's not well, the same no. thing every day it's, it's, not. it's completely different I might be physically sitting there at the same desk and doing the same thing every day mm-hmm. but in terms of what's going on in my mind and what's coming out of my hands and everything it's so it's so different every day. Um, but yeah the, the minor the minor in, inconveniences of doing what I do is, is just, just yeah. yeah it's it's a 0.5 percent out of a hundred percent in reality yeah. you know um, I think the only and it, this is my own self-imposed problem, believe you me. I think the only thing that, that is a downside to what I do is I, I always set myself uh, a goal to, regardless of what the deadline is, my deadline is always ahead of that deadline. So I set myself a goal I've always been fast and efficient, you know, because I do that every time. I set myself a personal goal. I sort of work out in my head. I know how many pages... I'm capable of doing. I know many how many yeah, hours that might entail. So I think I work out in my head. You know, I can do this number of pages by the end of this week. You know, problem with that is I've, I'm of a certain mindset that if something gets in the way of that throughout that week, I get very very agitated because I haven't achieved my personal goal or more so than achieving the actual deadline of, of a book or whatever it's I failed my personal goal mm. so I could be the most relaxed person in the world if I've achieved my goals for the week you know yeah. but if I haven't achieved it, something's got in the way I'm just I, mean, I am a tetchy bugger you I, know know. The, I know the feeling uh, yeah so um, that, that, I mean that's my own fault I'll fully admit it fully hold my hand up it's my own problem you know and I can't see it I can't mentally see a way out of it it's just how I'm how I'm built to yeah. do that and because of that you know however however I manage that sort of thing is, yeah, is my yeah. thing <laughs> well I'm going to finish on a fun question um, but have you? I like to think you're ahead of the curve. In, in case a zombie apocalypse did kick off, I'll re- I hope you've got a really good strategy lined up. Have you got ideas? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you why, because it's not going to happen. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> Anyone that sits there and thinks, all right, seriously, if the apocalypse did happen, what would I do? Um, you know, <laughs> A, well, 
the apocalypse might happen, but it won't be a zombie apocalypse, so that's, that's for sure. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, the apocalypse of a different type might certainly happen. And, and to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if the majority of people in the end, I don't think the survival instinct's that strong in me to, to just want to keep surviving through just the the kind of the crap that that an apocalypse might bring. I think you'd you probably pull a gun on your head anyway. Well, you've, just, you, you've just seen... end it or what would be the point? You know, I can't think of anyone with a better insight. I mean, George Romero probably up there, but you know, you, you know, you know how bad it is. So I get, I, I get that. Yeah, I understand that. You know, what about Netflix? How could I cope? <laughs> That'd be the end of it. Uh, well, well um, that's been so my wife's, my wife sat opposite, going. <laughs> and I'll mention the wife and the children. Just, <laughs> just. <laughs> yeah, well, a life without better call Saul. <laughs> well, that's been an absolute pleasure, and I really appreciate your time. Thank you, Charlie. No, my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for Charlie Adlard giving me time of day. He really didn't have to spend so long with me, but he did, and he opened up and he shared that story. So I want to hear now from you guys. Get us your feedback over, please, on all social channels at Arrest All Mimics, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. I'm on there. Love the dialogue. Love hearing from you guys. I also want to hear what you've been up to. You've been up to something that you give a shit about that you enjoy doing. Let me know. Who knows? Maybe an episode will come from it at Arrest All Mimics on social. Hello at bentallen.com on the email. Uh, get in touch. Say hello. I'm a friendly guy. Uh, I do this because I love it and I love having these conversations. I mentioned Design Manchester 2018 at the top of the show. Uh, wonderful, wonderful event, but also just great to see people pouring in from all around the country. Friends coming in from Cardiff, from Glasgow, from uh, met guys down in Brighton. It's really, really great to see the cities coming together and sharing all just this creative inspiration. Uh, so big props to the guys, like I mentioned before, to Malcolm, John, Casper and Fiona. Uh, a great team that bring this great event together. Let us know what's going on. Tell us about your events. Happy to share it on the channels. All I want to do is bring good to the creative industry because I believe that creativity is crucial uh, in this current world that we're living in 2018. So I want you to share whatever it is you're up to. Uh, At the very least, I'll get it pumped out there. Uh, But who knows, like I said, maybe an episode comes from it. So thank you again to Charlie Adlard. We've got a great run of episodes coming up for you. Um, as ever, a really broad range of guests centering around creativ- creativity and uh, storytelling and innovation, of course. Uh, thank you for listening to the episodes with Dave Haslam, um, episode 122. Episode 121 was with Jane Crowther from GF Smith talking tactile print um, and the role of physical materials in creative industry in the world we live in today. So thank you as ever for listening big thank you to the sponsors illustrationweb.com heartinternet.co.uk and theaoi.com they make this podcast possible to run for free every other week so again get involved with the conversation at arrests all mimics drop us a little review on itunes please if you get a chance it really does help and it's a big boost Uh, and first and foremost thank you so much for tuning in thank you for listening i hope you're good i hope you have a good creative week and i'll see you next time thank you very much nice one guys see you later (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.